0: Blog Talk Radio. 12th 2016 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. And this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and I am saying hello once again to people in the chat room. Everyone over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio has tremendous patience because this is the second time I've had to start the show today. Sorry it took so long to get back on. When I was going through the show creation interface and I was trying to schedule it at a particular time, it was saying, no, you can't do it again. So then I had to go and try it out, you know, delete something and try over again. Anyway, we are back live. I urge you, as I did when we were starting the show before... I urge you to go to the blog at DontLetItGo.com, and that's where I have the program notes for today's show. You will also see the show title, which I am deeming to be a heroic save from a hodgepodge into a title. Yes, it's an alliterative title beginning with H, Hackers, Hecklers, Hearts, Hell, and Hope. And I have stories associated with all of those to discuss with you. So, again, go to DontLetItGo.com if you would like to check that out. We are starting with the story about hackers. There are a number of stories on front page of New York Times today about the supposed Russian hacking of our election. (laughs) People in the chat are saying, we're back in the battle. Yes, we are here back on on blog talk radio. Sorry about that. You know, blog talk has this thing that they actually think you might want to have a 15 minute show. And that is the first little time option that they give you. And I've had that happen to me twice since I've had an account here on blog talk where I've let it stay at the default initial setting of 15 minutes and gotten rudely cut off. So thanks to those of you in the chat room who alerted me to that. But yeah, we are going to start with this story on the Russian hackers, the supposed Russian hackers. And I'm interested to see what you guys think about this because it's starting to get difficult to figure out whom we believe about what has actually gone on with this election. Now, you could, of course, take this meta view and say, well, suppose it is Russian hackers, but what the hackers are revealing is they are revealing, in effect, Hillary Clinton's campaign, Hacking Our Election. So who's hacking the election? Is it the Russian hackers or is it the people who are actually hacking the election and maybe the Russian hackers are just exposing the real hackers? It's a a good question. I've got Ed on the line. I know he's got an opinion about this because he shared a story with me about it, and I'm wondering if I should just go straight to him, or maybe I should point you to the story first. The latest on this is appearing here in a series of headlines that I've got for you at the program notes, at the blog, don'tletitgo.com. In short, you have the CIA being the ones who are saying that they are very sure that Russia was trying to meddle in our election on behalf of Donald Trump. You have the FBI being more measured, saying, okay, well, there's some Russian involvement, but it's really unclear what the intent is. And the article that I've got over there at the top of the program notes talks about the fact, well, the FBI is usually more cautious. They're concerned with whether they're going to be able to meet a burden of proof in court if there's an indictment. It's that sort of standard, like a preponderance of the evidence uh, or maybe, you know, proof beyond a reasonable doubt, you know, depending on what they're looking at, whereas CIA, they're, you know, looking at a more intuitive grasp of, of what they actually think went on. Uh, you know, it's interesting because the Republicans right now are happy with the FBI's measured approach to not really making Any set accusations of what the Russians are doing. But if you remember, oh, so long ago, a few months ago, when Comey says, hey, um, here's this prima facie case, essentially against Hillary Clinton, with the classified email mishandling, and nonetheless, no indictment, right, taking a very measured, very cautious approach. Apparently, that's characteristic of the FBI. Right now, The Republicans seem to like it because it favors the guy who happens to have their party name on it, even though he doesn't really seem always like a Republican, but he's there, Uh, Donald Trump. But, you know, months ago, they weren't so happy with it. So it's interesting to see that. Anyway, so there's this rift between CIA and FBI. You also have Trump speaking out against the cia linking the cia reports on russia to democrats shame over the election saying that this is all politicized then we have the new york times coming in and giving a nice story to boost the cia because of course they don't like trump cia judgment on russia built on swell of evidence in the meantime there's a little story going around are you going to say it's rumor or not there was a link in this story that i give you to an interview with julian assange but the actual story is quoting a Julian, Julian Assange associate saying that this was a leak, not a hack. In fact, a leak from an insider source. And there is a DNC insider who is not Russian who was giving the leak here. And if only Hillary hadn't been trying to hack the primaries, rig the primaries in her favor against Bernie Sanders, none of this. Would have happened. And my question for you is Who do we believe on all this? Do we believe the FBI? Do we believe the CIA? Do we believe Donald Trump that it's all political? Or do we believe Julian Assange and Julian Assange's associate? Uh, I've got a corollary question. Okay, can everyone hear me now? I would like to know if you can. Let me know if you can hear me. Excellent. Uh, Luckily, I was right over on the studio panel about to talk to Ed, and someone said that I got cut off when I was saying there's a corollary question, and the corollary question is, where is Julian Assange? Is, Is he okay? And I was just about to ask the not really rhetorical question, whether Ed had answers to all of these questions. We're going to find out really quick here. Hi, hey, uh, you're Amy. on the air. We have now had our second glitch of the day. The first one caused by me. The second by Blog Talk. How are you?
1: I'm doing just peachy.
0: Peachy? Yes.
1: Getting ready for Christmas. Yes. Peachy. One of my favorite words.
0: <coughs> so <laughs> I've got a couple our- of Christmas-related stories we'll talk about later. Get everybody back into the the swing of this. But so so, what's your perspective on this? Uh, CIA versus FBI? Everything's becoming politicized about this. What's the truth? What do you think?
1: Okay, well, I think we should talk about the political thing, uh, political aspect of it later. I think we should talk about the intelligence aspect of it uh, first. Okay. Remember, there are three batches of emails that were released that influenced the election. The first batch was released by U.S. Federal District Court uh, due to a lawsuit by Judicial Watch, and were <clears throat> Clinton's emails um, from when she was Secretary of State. These were uh, fairly devastating to Clinton, if you paid attention. Not everybody paid attention. But some of us paid attention. Um, that's where uh, Huma Abedin said, "Quote: She's uh, she's some, mostly confused, or she's often confused." That was the that was the quote. There are other similar. Uh, there are other similar damaging quotes. So, unless right. the U.S. District Court uh, is a uh, uh, you know a Russian organization, I you know those were the really damaging ones. The second batch of emails were the DNC emails, which were internal emails from the DNC, and they um, they were not of one person, but of like the entire server. So the entire server was penetrated, and the emails were were dumped from the server to uh, you know someplace else and given to WikiLeaks. Uh, that that takes a different kind of exploit to do. And these right. were damaging to Hillary because it showed that the it, it, that the DNC was conspiring with the Hillary campaign to um, hurt Bernie Sanders and you know keep. Keep him down in the primaries, and it all. They also revealed that um, that CNN was feeding debate questions to Hillary. Uh, right. So this this these emails hurt um, hurt Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who was fired from the head of the DNC, and they mm-hmm. hurt uh, Donna Brazile, who was a uh, the commentator for CNN, who leaked the questions uh, in advance to Hillary. Yeah. <clears throat> And I think they probably da- uh, hurt Hillary among some Democrats. Although, when you look at the number of votes she got eventually, uh, she got a lot of votes. She, she got uh, 65 million votes, which is about as many as anybody's ever gotten before. So, you know, to worry about how she was hurt by these emails, um, I, I don't quite understand um the third batch of emails were the john podesta emails and they were uh taken from his account by a phishing attack they basically sent him an email saying oh your account's been compromised please change your password and then he changed <laughs> it on the fake, he fell for one of those on the, i love
0: it <laughs> he,
1: he he changed it on the fake site thus giving his password to the hacker and who then downloaded all his emails gives it now Uh, The Podesta emails don't have, didn't have, they had a lot of stuff that was damaging to Podesta. Like he is really, uh, he associates with some really freaky people. Um, I don't know how damaging they were to Hillary though. Um, the, The weird thing is like as the Podesta emails came out, the drip, 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 we were always waiting for, the smoking, smoking gun, gun email. Yeah. yeah, right. And, and it never really came. I mean, we got the spirit cooking emails and we got the oh, emails that kind of led into the whole Pizzagate thing, which we can talk about if you want, but not today. Um, and but we never really did get the smoking gun from the Podesta emails, but the sort of they kept Hillary the Crook on the front pages. Um, so now we have the three batches email. S- second, that you know, the, who, who, who did it, right? So the first, the, the DNC emails um, from my experience, I tend to believe that was an insider threat of some sort. Now it it certainly could have been someone from, uh, you know, Eastern Europe. It it, it doesn't have to be an insider threat, but that, that smells like uh, an insider threat uh, to me. Someone at the DNC, who was unhappy with the way they were treating Bernie, for instance? And what, what do you what do you well think
0: of a, a story from a you know a supposed associate of Assange who says just that that it was an inside job?
1: Yes, that I find extremely credible. N- not just because WikiLeaks has never been caught lying, unlike, for instance, the director of national intelligence and the head of the CIA, um, but uh, but that's the type of insider. Um, access is required to to strip that server. Now, you can break into a server and strip it without being an insider. Uh, you can do it from outside. Uh, and perhaps the people who did left tracks, and if they left tracks, perhaps those tracks led back to Eastern Europe. Uh, you know, obviously I don't know any information there. Um, mm-hmm. But just from what I do know, it smells like an insider. Now, the Podesta email leak does smell like Eastern European hackers. It's absolutely okay. In the world, in the world, there are two centers of hacking um, for, you know, real damage. There's the Eastern European and Russian hackers, and then there's the Chinese hackers. The Eastern European and and Russian hackers uh, tend to be more independent um, in the sense that they don't, they aren't employees of the Russian government, um, Mm -hmm. but they but. They are, as the CIA put it, you know, associated with the Russian government. The Chinese does, it, does, tend it, does
0: it does it ever occur to you that Snowden might be involved if, in Russia? Does it ever occur to you that No, not at all. You...
1: Under okay. those circumstances. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, okay. the Russians are not going to let him near a computer without, <laughs> without snooping without stooping on every packet. Um, so the question is what does it mean when the CIA says associated with, right, if they had proof that the FBI would agree, oh, it is this individual, then the FBI would say, oh, we agree, it's that individual, it's that person, he works for this, you know, GRU, you know, general in, in Russian intelligence and, and we mm-hmm. know all this and we can put out an international arrest warrant for this individual, the problem is the way the CIA works. It's not quite like that. The the way they draw associations is primarily from uh, they build a connection graph between people, and the connection graph is built based on a lot of signals intelligence, like who calls who on whose cell phone or or other right, a whole, a whole a whole bunch who a whole bunch email. of metadata.
0: Right? They take all this metadata yeah. and yeah, that's right. Put who this graph together. Who email
1: to who? Um, you know who who is connecting IP addresses to chat bots, you know, and they, they build this whole picture. Of, and I have no doubt that whoever hacked Podesta's email, I have absolutely no doubt that they are quote unquote associated with the Russians. That, that, that seems extremely likely um, because everybody in that Eastern European Russian hacker collective um is associated with the Russian government in some way or another. So, I mean, it it would be hard for anyone to hack Podesta's emails and not be associated with either the Russian government or the Chinese government. The question then becomes is what the FBI said, were they acting under the direction of Russian intelligence or were they merely acting as they usually are? They're kind of anarchists, these guys. They're not like Russian patriots. They're they're very much anti the United States because – the United States has cracked down on people who use the internet, for instance, to steal intellectual property. And the United States has, has cracked down on on foreign countries that allow like Pirate Bay and those things. And there's been a lot of animosity between these hackers who think, you know, the internet should be free or or whatever that means. Yeah. They have a lot of animosity towards, Cracking down, especially on you know, like stealing movies and TV shows and and uh, and other um, you know other media that's under copyright, and they 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 think of the United States as the great imperialist in this. Right. Also, also there's a
0: there's a number of them who may have been rooting for Sanders in this case, right?
1: You know, potentially. I, I don't know whether they did it. Other, uh, you know it. The question is, what is the seen and the unseen, as Bastiat would say? So, oh, right. Podesta uh, responded to a uh, phishing email that gave access to his account. Well, how many other phishing emails were sent to how many other people in the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Trump campaign and in the, in the DNC and the RNC, um, and they just didn't click on it, you know? So, that's the unseen. Now, the CIA is reporting that the RNC was also hacked. Hmm. And the RNC denies it and says there's no evidence that they were hacked. The, the problem with the RNC hack, you know, suppose the RNC, suppose the DNC Hypothesis, was hacked by the yeah. Russians and, and suppose the RNC was hacked by the, um, by the Russians too, you know, why wouldn't they release the RNC emails? Because, my God, the RNC emails would be damaging to, to the RNC in the same way the DNC emails would be damaging to the Clinton Clinton campaign because the RNC went out of its way to prevent Trump from being elected. And if if the Russians were, if the Russians were really pro-Trump, certainly the RNC would show emails that the RNC was conspiring against Trump, which I'm sure they were conspiring against Trump. Uh, You know, that's, Sure. Sure. And Cruz, Trump and Cruz. I mean, they were all for Bush, right? I mean, you know, the RNC was all Bush all the time. And so they were conspiring against both Trump and Cruz, and I'm sure the emails would show that. So that doesn't pass the spell test uh, for me. Um, So, you know, I I don't know. I, I don't think the Podesta emails did a lot of damage to Hillary, and those are definitely the ones that I think are undoubtedly traced to the Eastern European Russian hacking syndicate. Okay. Uh, the DNC emails, I, I still think, I, you know, I haven't seen any evidence. Maybe they have evidence. I don't know. Um, I think that's more likely an insider threat. But the most damaging emails of all were the ones uh, released by the U.S. Uh, district Court, and those um
0: So, so okay, so, so if you're telling me, Ed, that the most damaging of all of these emails were the ones that were released, Due to a court order, a federal, U.S. federal court order, then we are seeing a kind of 1984 style rewrite of reality by the Democrats, are we not?
1: Okay, so getting into the political thing, here's the thing. The election's next Monday, right? We already have a, at least one Trump elector saying he's not going to vote for Trump.
0: Right. We have
1: a cabal of Clinton electors claim that they're going to vote for Kasich to try and get Kasich into the number three spot, right? In in case they can convince enough, enough Trump electors to defect, Kasich would be the most tolerable Republican to the Democrats. Uh, you know,
0: I think so if, if, Ka- if Kasich if Kasich became president, I might throw up, and I and I have not. I, I think it's I have not thrown up for decades. I might.
1: Ooh. Yeah, not a not a big yeah, honestly, you know, again, not a big Trump fan, but Trump comes above Kasich in my list of people who ran for the Republican um, wow. presidential campaign. So they tried riots, the left, right? They tried riots, they tried lawsuits, they tried recounts,
0: right? Um,
1: they've I've, they've I've tried, seen the uh,
0: trickling news in that the recounts have failed, uh huh?
1: They've tried this whole fake news thing. Yeah. Um, to say that you know, people were uninformed about Trump. Um, I don't see how anyone could be uninformed about Trump in this election. I mean, <laughs> that's just ridiculous. You may, you may like him, you may not like him, but to be uninformed about Trump, you have to be buried like <laughs> 20 feet in the sand, right?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: or they are misinformed about Clinton. Again, the Clinton emails that were the most damaging were the ones released by the court. So the left has tried everything. They're trying everything. They realize that this election is so crucial They want to keep the environmental rules that it looks like Trump may overturn. If if he does, that's good. They want to keep the Supreme Court because they want to lock into place certain previous Supreme Court decisions and definitely overthrow uh, a number of bad ones, including the Citizens United and Heller. They really, really desperately want to overturn Citizens United, and they had that in their grasp. It was right there. They could taste it. Citizens United was going to be gone, and that's gone. And um, the whole, you know, uh, global warming uh, racket, they wanted to lock that in. There was a whole list of things, and they see it all slipping away because Trump doesn't seem, you never know with Trump, but he doesn't seem like going on. To, so they're throwing everything they can at him. And right now, oh, they, oh, you know, they threatened the electors with death and the death of their families if they didn't change their votes. No way. So I mean, they've tried.
0: Who, who, who did this? Who did this?
1: Oh, anonymous people, of
0: course. Yeah. Uh,
1: my, oh, my guess God. is not many Trump supporters did that, but I have mm-hmm. read reports. I, now, I, I don't have the reference on the top of my head,
0: but I have read reports that
1: so, uh, okay, so, Trump so electors they're, were, they're,
0: were, they're 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 trying. So this this. is it. The New York Times is is, is is coming right in as well. You know, with their article about how there's this swell of evidence and everything, so everyone's trying to sway these electors, in effect. It's all about swaying yeah. these electors, okay. putting so, pressure on the electors?
1: That's my view. Now, here's... In science, if you come up with a theory, you make a prediction. And then you test that prediction and see if it's true. That's, that's one of the ways that science works. So here's my prediction. Okay. The fake news slash Russian hacking slash Russian interference is going to increase exponentially. Until next Monday. And then it's going to fall off a cliff. <laughs> there's my prediction. Because
0: it didn't work, right? If it didn't work. Yeah. Well, we
1: don't know. We won't know until January 6th, right? That's, it's not the issue. It's like, you know, um, we won't know whether it worked or not until January 6th. But there's no point in, tr- in pushing that narrative anymore after December 19th. So right. my prediction is this. After December 19th, this Russian hacking thing will be put on the news back burner. Um, if we see that, then we know that from a news manipulation standpoint, the purpose was to try and sway the electors.
0: Um,
1: On the other hand, I have no doubt that the CIA went in there and said that. I mean, I I don't think that they're lying. I don't think the Democratic senators who leaked that the CIA said this report uh, were lying. I think the CIA did go in, and I think they did say that the hacking was related, was connected to the Russian government. But like I explained right. what that means, that doesn't mean it's, directed. Right. It means connected. So right. we'll see. I, not next Wednesday, but if you have a show – not next Monday, but we, if you have a show next Wednesday, mm-hmm. maybe we'll talk again about this and see what happens and see if I'm right or not. Maybe I'm yes. wrong, but we'll No, we'll,
0: and, we'll and, and you're right. So, that, so I think that's a that's an interesting thing. Now, would they try to second-guess people like us and say – okay, well, we don't want to show that that's really our agenda, and so we're going to keep up talking about it, even though supposedly there's no real motivation, because we want to show how earnest we are, that we really care about this issue for the integrity of our U.S. elections, and that we don't want the Russians interfering in our election as they do in European elections and all the other, you know, hogwash that I was... Oh, hey, hey well, another H, that the, hogwash. the um. That, that I was reading you know, that the on the CIA came country.
1: out with this report last week, instead of waiting till after the election is over. Right. Mm-hmm. The CIA took, you know, months to come up with their recommendations for, uh, you know, various terrorist attacks and things, you know, they really like to consider yeah. things. The, the CIA is a very deliberative body. It takes a long time to get anything through the process. And yet, they pretty rushed this kind of conclusion and report out in, you know, a month or so. Um, right. And they, they released it before the election. In other right. words, not only did Comey interfere with the election by first saying Hillary uh, committed all these crimes, but we're not going to prosecute, then saying, um, oh, there's more emails, and then saying, oh, but we looked at all these emails, and there's nothing in them. Not right. only did the FBI interfere with the election which apparently the lower-level FBI or the second, third, fourth, and lower-level FBI guys are really upset about, uh, which may mean they are taking a much more um, deliberate view of this when they meet with the senators. Uh, But now the CIA has tried to interfere with the election. There is absolutely nothing that would have uh, been crucial to this investigation that couldn't have waited until next Monday for, for release.
0: And then and then now Obama is also calling for investigation, if I understand correctly. And then I was going to ask you this. What do you make of what appears to be a split between the House and the Senate Republicans versus Donald Trump? So you've got Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell saying, oh, yes, this is important. We must investigate this thing. And, you know, make sure we ensure the integrity of elections, integrity of elections is not a partisan issue, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Debbie's commenting in the chat. We hear, we hear scraping and rattling and stuff in the background there. I don't know if you're able to.
1: I have to get the cat's food. I apologize.
0: <laughs> you're feeding cats in the midday. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um,
1: I I do apologize. Oh, they're they're saying they're I, saying
0: that Ed is eating yogurt. That's what they're
1: <laughs> No, I'm getting so, the cats food. Uh
0: so the, When the cats wants food beta. they don't
1: care whether I'm on the radio, right? <laughs> cats want food um, right now.
0: So so we're gonna we're gonna have to get you a mute button for when you when you have to No, eat no, the I'll cake put it on cat.
1: mute when when I do
0: this. Very cool. Very cool. Um Okay, so, so, yeah, so what do we make of this? You know some people are speculating that McConnell is going to do sort of a Comey style cover where you know basically he's you know McConnell's going to sort of pretend that they're going to investigate it, but then they're going to actually help Trump out, and you know did Comey actually help Trump? You know we could have a debate about that as well, but you know, what is Congress doing vis-a-vis Trump? Because Trump is basically saying this is all political, and Congress, at least on first glance, seems to be taking it more seriously and saying, yeah, we have to investigate this.
1: Well, I think they're both right. Uh, You know, I think if the Russians did interfere with the election, it is serious and it does require investigation. And I think Trump is exactly right in that um, the timing the way they presented it, the way it was immediate, the way classified. This is a classified report, right? This is like SEI report that they gave to these senators, immediately leaked to the media by Democratic senators, right? Immediately. right? I mean, right. that is political, right? I mean, who's going to jail for that leak, right? It's not like that. The CIA came in and said, "Okay, we're going to give you this unclassified briefing," because if they did, they would have released it, right? No, they came in, they got in the skip, they have things. Everybody takes their, you know, notepads and electronic devices away and then they give them this briefing and there's all sorts of markings on you know, top secret SCI. And then not five minutes later, uh, it's leaked to the press. So right. tell me that isn't political. I mean, so yes. I, I, yes. Think, I think the Congress is right that it should be investigated. And I think Trump is right that it is political. So it's, they're just taking both sides. Remember, Trump hasn't won the election yet. He, you know, if something – if he does something horrendous or some, you know, he's trying to fight back against his electors defecting. I mean, the election right. isn't over. It's next Monday. That's the real election. And he's got to fight that election up until next Monday. Yeah. You know, then he can shoot now, somebody in the street on Fifth Avenue, right?
0: As I I understand it, the time frame of the investigations that Congress is calling for is going to be over a period of months. So their idea is, yeah, the election should happen. Trump should, of course, still be declared the winner, um, you know, after the Electoral College and everything. And then we're going to have this investigation because we want to ensure the integrity of U.S. elections in the future. Whereas Obama is calling for his own investigation What is the deadline for him to try to come out with some bombshell to try to undermine Trump in terms of the electoral college? There
1: was an ex uh, CIA agent on, I don't know whether it was CNN or MSNBC. Again, I see clips on the internet who said, Oh, we have to have a new election. We have to have a new election. This is ridiculous. We can't do this. We have to have a new election. Mm. Now, I've read the Constitution, and as a lawyer, you've read the Constitution. Is there anything about the Constitution of do-overs? In no. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I don't recall anything in the Constitution about do-overs. Um, the, the real election is next Monday. If the electors elect, you know, you, then you're the president. If they elect me, I'm the president. If they elect Donald Trump, he's the president. There are no do-overs in this election. Right, but then why, why, don't, why
0: don't we find out until the 6th if it's on Monday?
1: I don't know. That's just the thing is that they, they don't open the ballots until the 6th. Weird. Okay. Uh, so uh, we're, we're, we're,
0: we're, but we're supposed to enjoy our Christmas in suspense. Is that it, I suppose? It really is suspense. We know at least one
1: elector is going to be faithless. We know a bunch of Democratic electors are thinking about trying to convince both each other and some Republicans to vote for Kasich. If no one gets under 270, it goes to the House and the House votes by state. Currently, there are, 30, there are 17 states. 17 states that are controlled. The delegations are controlled by Democrats. There's one state that's tied, Maine, and there's 32 states that are controlled by the delegations are controlled by Republicans. Mm-hmm. So again, even if they threw it into the House, I doubt Trump would lose. Um, But you never know. And again, that's what the left wants to do is they they just, they want anything to stop Trump, anything at all. I mean, his environmental policies, his gun policies, his SCOTUS appointments, they see everything they've gained in the last eight years. You know, Obamacare, they see it going away. And um, they'll do anything. Yeah, throw it into the House, anything. Then they then they fight another political battle, right? Every, let's have a million people call our congressmen, even if they're Republicans, and call right. them not to vote for Trump, vote to Kasich instead. I mean, you can imagine what it's going to be like, right? So uh, oh, okay. I think it's actually good that though we have suspense between the 19th and the 6th of January, uh, we can at least have Christmas and New Year's in peace and not have this craziness. Um, yeah.
0: Okay, so, I, so it, it, will, it will be interesting. It will be interesting to see if the news shifts as you predict, that all of this goes away after next Monday. So by next Wednesday, we can do a little, you know, temperature taking on this and, and and see how we're doing. Let me ask you this question. Where's Julian Assange? Why are we hearing from only an associate of him? Because he would be, you know, if he came out and did some more interviews right now, he would be quite valuable in supporting the idea that, you know, even though, you know, these are, maybe they're Russian associated or something that this is not a Russian government attempt to manipulate the election. You know, maybe Assange would point out that, you know, again, the most damaging emails were not from that source. Anyway, he could do, he could, you know, because people have seen him as the source of it, people are starting to come to trust him as the source of reliable information. He'd be quite valuable and yet he's nowhere to be seen.
1: Yes, So Assange was in the Ecuadorian embassy, um, offered asylum by the Ecuadorians, None of the South Americans particularly liked the United States, right? the whole gringo thing. Um, and uh, his Internet was allegedly turned off in the middle of October, and he hasn't been seen or heard from since. The, the statement put out by the Ecuadorian embassy in October when his uh, Internet um, was taken away was that um, they did not want to be responsible for influencing the election. So they were going to shut Assange down. Now, Assange is just the public face of WikiLeaks, right? There's a bunch of other people. Um, right. Obviously, it's not just one guy with a cell phone in the Ecuadorian embassy that's doing all this. He's got a team of people. But he was the right. public face. Um, so November 8th came and went, and Assange didn't get back on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And now it's a month later. And... The conspiracy theories are fairly ramping up on the usual places, and right. the, the thought is that he has been arrested by the United States. Wow. And that's, that's, the, that's the current – so is there any evidence? No. Is the statement that he was removed from the Internet simply to stop him interfering in the election, is that statement true? No. We know that because on November 9th, he wasn't given his cell phone back.
0: Well, okay, but how about, how about applying the same thing to him as we are going to apply to the media attempts to sort of manipulate everything right now, you know, with the whole story about the Russian hackers, that maybe we'll see Assange reappear after next Monday?
1: Okay, maybe that's true. Maybe they maybe they understand the American election uh, election system better than I thought they did. Maybe maybe next Tuesday is today. He'll get his. Uh,
0: or you know we're um, telling them when they back. can let him reappear, right? Because we understand it, even if they don't. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, that's an excellent that's an excellent question. I mean, you know, I mean, there isn't one person in a hundred that knows the real election is next month. In the
0: Ed, thank you. Thank Certainly. you for saying I asked an excellent question. That, that made my day basically right there. I'm done. I should just <laughs> stop me. the show right now because you said I asked an excellent question. <laughs>
1: you always ask <laughs> an excellent questions, Amy. In fact, one of the things I appreciate your show is, about your show is that you do allow this sort of speculation and, uh, and input from your listeners, um, which is rare in that talk show.
0: Well, this is a talk uh, show. I do appreciate that. Isn't this what talk radio is supposed to be about, that we actually explore some of these things? And, you know, again, this has been said so many times by different objectivists uh, that applying a philosophy to a mess of concrete events like this is not easy. And so certainly I don't come in saying, oh, yes, I have all of the right answers automatically. I think I have good arguments here and there. I have good questions, good directions, but... I don't come in saying, yeah, I've, I've got the answer, especially on something bizarre like this Russians hacking our election, you know, and and I have, I have sort of an analogy, right. Between if there are Russian hackers, but what they're exposing is Hillary Clinton's rigging of an election. To me, you say, okay, this is whistleblowing time. This is something that we're, Happy to have we don't necessarily want a repeat Of it but You don't go around saying oh my Gosh they are you know Hacking our election no What they are doing is they're exposing Or rigging of an election And it's a whole Different thing but nobody wants to talk About
1: the underlying Substance of it No one has ever uh, Disputed the accuracy of either The Podesta emails or The DNC emails and so when you get to the underlying statement by the left and by the CIA and by the Democrats in Congress and everyone, it's um, the Russians have told the truth about Hillary Clinton that we wanted kept hidden and therefore we should do the election over again.
0: Now that's, that's right. their actual statement,
1: right? <laughs> uh, and like, okay, all right, you know, no, cybersecurity is important. We should make sure all our security you know, – email secure and whatnot that that goes without saying but
0: (laughs) the uh the the russian hackers exposed that hillary clinton committed dirty politics and so therefore we want to do over because we want to be able to do the dirty politics in absolute secrecy
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think uh, you know i follow a bunch of libs on twitter for various reasons and they're all like oh my god this is just terrible he you know the election was stolen from hillary i'm like "Well, wait a minute now what was stolen from her from a thief stolen by (laughs) judicial watch and the u.s district court uh that was who stole the election from her Uh, not the
0: not the russians
1: and Mm -hmm. and it it, it stole in in the sense of yes we told the truth about hillary um therefore she lost
0: uh, that, you know,
1: that's, that's a right. weird kind of. That's a weird. Kind well, of and sense, you
0: know right? this 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 leans into the whole. You know, I I've went to law school long ago in a galaxy far away and learned about the exclusionary rule, and I have mixed feelings about the exclusionary rule as well. I feel that you should return to the old days when what you would do if there was an actual violation of the Fourth Amendment is that you would prosecute. For trespass, but you could still let in the evidence, the good evidence, right? You got evidence of wrongdoing by Hillary Clinton, and you don't say, oh, well, let's throw it out and let her have a do-over because it was Russian hackers that produced this good evidence about what a horrible person Hillary Clinton is, right? Um, Thanks, Ed, for enlightening all of us on this. I want to go ahead and go on because I'm about halfway through sure. my show time here and get on to other topics, but I really appreciate it because this has been very informative.
1: Okay, well, have a good weekend, and maybe we'll talk again uh, next Wednesday to prove my point.
0: Excellent. I'm going to be interested to follow up with this. You take care, and uh, make sure those cats are well fed. I've got another caller on, and I do think it's Debbie. Debbie, is that you?
2: Hi, Amy. Yeah, this is me. Do you have something
0: on the uh, the hacking, or are you anticipating another topic? The
2: on well, sort of on the hacking, but mostly um, about the potential for the electors to reverse the mm-hmm. uh, outcome of the election. And um, so, I don't know how likely that is, but I just um, I, so and I just looked it up to see if it had ever happened before in history, and apparently. They're called faithless electors, people who switch their, um, their voting from what they had agreed to vote in advance of the election. And there was one case in 1836 when all 23 electors in Virginia opted to be faithless, and they changed their vote um, for Martin Van Buren and his running mate. Richard Mentor Johnson, they all refused to vote for Johnson. So it was a vice presidential thing. And also back then, the federal government was a lot less relevant. So I don't know how big of a deal that was. I had never even heard of it until I Googled it just now. But the thing is that um, I think that given how unstable the country is right now and um, the way this Trump phenomenon emerged, as a sort of backlash to the establishment and to the machinations of, you know, this idea of there being a rage game and politics being so corrupt. And I think that we could be in some serious trouble if the election results did get reversed. And I mean, on the level of like Leonard Peacoff talking in a dim hypothesis about how there are a number of different kinds of triggers that could set our country in an irreversible direction. Um, Right. So I'm curious to know if you think I'm just like getting way carried away here or what you think about that possibility, because it seems very important to me.
0: Um, I mean, obviously, I think that there is a chance for a major upheaval if something like that did happen. At the same time, I am, you know, I've got my finger on the pulse a little bit within my social media bubble. I've got some liberals who are posting quite you know actively trying to encourage these electors to up you know undo the election and they seem like they think that there's a real hope that this is going to happen and that if it doesn't happen I don't know is it you know take to the streets time for them next so I would say that either way that this goes we can expect some sort of riots and everything else so yes it is good that we're going to have Christmas and New Year. We're going to wait for this. Of course, what I'm wondering is, are there going to be leaks of the result, even though it's not supposed to be revealed until 6th of January? Is there going to be somebody who who tries to leak a result and then really messes up everyone's Christmas and New Year's? But I would say brace mm-hmm. yourself either way. I would say brace yourself either way. Um, yeah. Either, either side I mean- is going to be disappointed, you know depending on what happens
2: Well but the left is just Responding to an unfavorable election Outcome rather than An unprecedented reversal Of an election outcome I guess I just tend- And the right. left has always been They've always been taking to the Well at least in my yeah, exactly. the But the, but but the, to but the, the left streets. has
0: been taking to the streets For a lot you know less There's nothing example. new
2: unprecedented or different about that you know that they go out and riot because that's just what they do
0: well it's just that they so, think Trump is like the devil incarnate that's all yeah well that's right. true
2: but it's just not a change it's not a fundamental change whereas what the Trump or the rise of Trump represents is something different and new right but and, then, but then um, you have
0: a side you have a side that doesn't readily take to the streets and stuff as much now they might for this but you know so so on the one side right the liberals the leftists really they would take to the streets because boy they take to the streets for other things they have for For a long time
2: yeah right
0: whereas I mean you know I think the only time that I ever took to the street was for Ilian Gonzalez. I was thinking about it, you know, recently with uh-huh. the death of Fidel Castro. And that's when I was out in front of the Los Angeles federal building holding signs and getting the cars to drive, you know, all the all stuff. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it was so tame. We were so tame. But we wanted to keep Ilion right. here. It was, it was an important issue. And I don't know that I would take to the streets for Trump myself, but the idea of undoing an election... I, I highly disapprove of it. I'll certainly be speaking out against it if it happens. But... Right,
2: but I'm not talking about the immediate response. That's the thing. I'm not talking about people going to the streets and rioting or whatever. That's just okay, something that okay. happens. That's not. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a, like a tectonic shift in the whole kind of zeitgeist of the country,
0: like a major fundamental thing,
2: not just how people immediately. Well, I mean, respond, what about but... what
0: about leftists take to the streets? Obama declares a state of emergency and declares himself continuing on as president to make sure that everything's okay right. and protect us.
2: I mean, if, if the thing escalates, then, but mm-hmm. even if it doesn't, it could easily escalate like that, I think. But I don't know how likely it is. But even regardless of, of how the left responds, I'm not just talking about the immediate consequence. That's actually the right. thing I'm least concerned about. I have guns. Okay. I can protect myself. I'm I'm talking about the longer term. Like, is this going to be just kind of cause a, a break, like a like a major tipping point that okay. that just changes the way things are on a fundamental level and going forward in perpetuity? Not so much just the rioting and stuff. Yeah, the left's going to riot. That's just what they do. They riot like every you know. That's just <laughs> Adam Carolla uses an expression about like. Yeah, that's just called Tuesday for the latch. Like, in other words, it's just like their normal Emma, and it doesn't mean anything. Right. Uh, right. So that's definitely not something I'm concerned about. But um, one thing, yeah, one thing I that
0: guess. has not happened before, though, is you haven't seen a president actually declare a state of emergency and not transfer power over. So, right. If if, if we did see something like that in the short term, which you know, conspiracy theory, call me. A conspiracy theorist. But anyway, we, we shall see, right? We're going to see what happens. Yeah. We're going to obviously be following it here. Uh, and yeah, I, you know, is there reason to worry this might set off a chain of events that really could undermine our nation in a fundamental way? Yeah.
2: Yes. I mean, especially sure, sure. I would, responds, I, would, I would definitely agree with you, Debbie. Especially if he responds the way that you suggest. I mean, like, that'd be just double. Like, I mean... But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I actually I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I think at this point, the best possible outcome is that Trump gets to take into gets to move into the White House.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Sadness, right? Um, That that's that's the outcome that we want is for is for him to be there. Let me can I direct your attention to another topic now, Debbie, because I want to get through some of these So, so we've only done hackers and I want to do hecklers and actually I've got a single heckler, but I wanted to somehow make my title with the plural, but imagine that this happens. There is a pastor, Christian pastor, who heckled kids at a mall in Texas. So imagine there's all these kids waiting in line to see Santa to have their pictures taken with Santa, to tell Santa what they want for Christmas. They're with their parents. It is a very important time in the kid's life. And this pastor's coming by telling them there is no Santa, um, chastising Uh the parents in front of the kids, saying shame on you for lying to your children about the fact that there is no Santa Claus, that it's all a myth and everything else. And, of course, they're sitting there waiting in line. They want to see Santa Claus. So it's not as if they're eager to ditch right away, right? They've probably found Uh them. I mean, these lines are really long. You know, I've I've saw this link on Dredge, right? And I usually don't spend a whole time, a lot of time with news stories on Dredge. But it's interesting because Dredge, I see that typically he's sympathetic with the Christian, right? Uh, This particular story paints this pastor as some sort of weirdo extremist or something, right? Um, Uh but isn't he just sort of being consistent? You know, he says Christmas is about Jesus and there's no Santa, you know, shame on your parents for telling you these lies that, you know, that what Christmas is truly about is Jesus and self-sacrifice and all this kind of stuff, right? Uh,
2: That's (sighs) gross.
0: Um, pretty crazy. You know, it it brings up all kinds of questions about, you know, if you had children, how would you handle the whole thing about Santa and stuff, which is something that I've never really answered, Um, you know, trying to come up with a, a shoot from the hip solution. But what I do know is regardless of what your particular view on what you would do if you had children with regard to the Santa Claus myth, right, regardless of that, it is extremely bad for some pastor to come by and destroy whatever the parents were doing with regard to Santa and their children, because he's trying to make some religious point in a mall.
2: That's really messed up. Yeah. Actually, you know, it's so funny that you mentioned it because that's the real, I was raised in a religion that taught that same thing, like that, that there's no, you shouldn't, well, actually my religion went farther. They said that you should celebrate that you should not celebrate Christ. Birth, you should instead celebrate his death because that was his greatest accomplishment. <laughs> so oh. we didn't celebrate Christmas on those grounds. We, we, we you, you shouldn't celebrate life. You should celebrate death. <laughs> oh, wow. So at least I know, right? But yeah, we got the whole no Santa Claus. We weren't even allowed to celebrate Christmas at all, and of course there was the whole no Santa Claus uh, business too, um, to go along with it. But yeah, that it's pretty messed up to what the what they. I can't believe that he, and like he was doing a, what's it, what's it called a target rich environment, you know, like he went and found all these little kids that are looking forward to, I have no idea what that experience is like, but I get the impression that it's something that they really enjoy and get excited about. And then to just go there and crush all that joy. Um, that's really. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mind. mean, you know,
0: from, from, from my perspective, if you know, the, the news story tries to portray this guy, as some weirdo, I say, no, actually he's, he's being consistent, but you're right that Debbie, oh, yeah. the most, con- the most consistent view of Christmas at, of all would be yep. not to even celebrate the birth of Jesus instead, just celebrate the the death. Because after all, it's the afterworld that it's all about. Anyway, he gets to go be reunited mm-hmm. with his father in heaven. And oh, wow. Okay. But yeah, yeah so that's, yeah. this is, this is the, uh, the heckler, but then because you are a scientist. Are you? Are you still able to stay on, right now, yeah. Debbie, or do you have to go? Because yep. here's no, here's the sto- here's the story. That's great. Thanks for hanging on here. Because here's the story. You may have seen it. Euron Brooke was sharing it around other people as well. The headline says, "Scientists grow full-size beating human heart from stem cells." Now, when I share this at the blog at don'tletitgo.com, I put a little asterisk next to it because. When you actually read the article, they did end up generating, I think, three different types of cells. You know, they're differentiated from the stem cells and everything. They were able to do this on some sort of a a lattice or underlying framework that they had created by scrubbing some tissue. And then they put the stem cells in. And so they've got this thing. And it resembled, as they said, an immature heart. It resembled an immature heart and it did beat mm-hmm. when they you know, stimulated electronically. It is not a full-size beating human heart. So first of all, we've got this wildly misrepresentative headline. It's as if, you know, a full, full-grown full heart. They're saying, well, it seemed like what would be a full-sized immature heart, and it did beat, but they didn't even say, like, that it really was. They said, like, it resembled one or something. Um Huh. What is what is with the reporting of science in the news that we get oh. this overly optimistic characterization of a finding like that? That is
2: one of my big pet peeves. I'm, well, I don't even know. That's not that's too small a term for it. I. Oh, I hate, I have so much contempt for these reporters on science, and and it's not that isolated incidents, it's it's everywhere, and they talk about science, have you ever noticed that sometimes they talk about it, like, in a reified almost way, like, science says you should do X, Y, and Z, like, science mm-hmm. says you should drink more coffee, science says you should eat more chocolate, whatever, um, it, like, as if there were some kind of a deity that these special, like, uh, witch doctors, go in the lab with their white coats and they like summon the deity science so that it can tell us. Um, Appeal to science. Of... <laughs> yeah. It's, that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds primitive. And yes, they always lose the nuances and just report some sweeping unjustifiable conclusion based on maybe like one study that whose results haven't even been um uh, repeatable, shown repeatable yet. It's like there's this one study with it just like the most uh, preliminary suggestion of a possible causal mechanism. And then the science reporter just throws it up there on the headline. Science has decreed something new. Um, right. So Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> that, I mean, that, I,
0: I don't want to, you know, discount what they have done here because they have, you know, scrubbed, I guess, the underlying DNA identity from some tissue, and then they put the stem cell stuff in there, and then they did get—I think they said—three different types of cells, and then they stimulated with the elect—you know—electronic stimulus, and and caused it to beat. So it was beating like a heart. It resembled an immature heart. This is progress. Certainly, this is oh yeah, en- encouraging progress. But to overrepresent what they've achieved—I mean, this is last week I shared a story. And it was about all of these different major mainstream media news outlets misrepresenting what Google had said that it had achieved with regard to its carbon footprint, blah blah blah, whatever, right? Uh, you know. But the point is, it's like the the it seems like these news outlets have an agenda. You know, they want you, I guess, to feel hopeful about the world, um, and so somehow you're supposed to think, yeah, they've actually created a full-sized mature beating human heart of course they don't say that it uh, you know resembles a full-size immature heart (laughs) they didn't they want to stick that in the headline it's not quite as optimistic yeah
2: well I don't know if it's well first of all yeah that still is an amazing accomplishment for um the people who did that but um I I don't know if it's as much that they have an agenda or if it's just bad epistemology And they hear Mm -hmm. something, they get real excited about it, and then they they throw something kind of exaggerated out there and they don't know how to think critically about it. It's kind of hard to say, I think. Maybe in this case, the headline, I mean, it's really obvious, but maybe they don't understand what an immature heart is versus a, I mean, maybe they just can't tell the difference because they didn't slow down, slow down just to think about it, like, wait, what are they actually saying? Let's work through this and think about it. Um I think it's, and I think perhaps it's perhaps a they have you know crushing
0: crushing deadlines in journalism as well uh you know the other thing to look at if if you're actually interested in the substance of this topic, I put a link to another story in in the original story, not only does it have a exaggerative headline if that's a, an adjective exaggerative maybe um, <laughs> The story says that one of the things that they're hoping to do with this is that they're hoping to create a heart that will not be rejected by the transplant recipient, right? Because the whole thing about Mm -hmm. heart transplants is that there's this rejection. So they're saying, well, the hope with this is that there's not going to be as much rejection or maybe no rejection. And then there's a story that tends to refute this that I've also put in the program notes that people can check out. Body may reject transplanted human embryonic embryonic stem cells that might actually happen as well so is this a full solution not nearly to the extent that the headline tends to represent it as this is a, a good start but there's still a long way to go as far as I can tell um,
1: anything yeah, else Debbie before sure. I run through
0: complex. other program notes here I've got a, still no, a few thanks topics thanks for letting me hang out it was, uh, it
2: was fun I don't have anything else to say
0: about well, that. Thank, Yeah. And thanks for calling in and thanks for your patience with the uh, earlier technical difficulties as well. Yeah, and good. hopefully we'll talk next. Uh, actually, I'm going to be back again on Wednesday, so maybe Wednesday or next week. Um, okay, let me go on over at DontLetItGo.com. I have all the program notes and I have only now been through Hackers, Hecklers and part of Hearts. The other thing about Hearts, I'm kind of fudging here a little bit. I found this cute story at New York Times and they talk about the financial benefits of buying what you love. And the author gives you an example of a purchase that he was extremely pleased with. He spent $5,000 on a bicycle, and yet he credits that with basically being one of the best decisions that he has ever made. Uh, So hearts love, buy the thing that you love, you will be happier. Spend more on the thing that you love. Yeah, do a little research and everything. But if you're still convinced that that is the thing you love, then you will keep it. You'll continue to use it versus you buy the thing you're less happy with. You're not going to use it. It's really going to be money wasted. You may as well spend the money. Get what you love. If you're buying yourself a Christmas present, you're buying a present for a loved one. It's it's the season to take that kind of advice. So check it out. That's the end of hearts. Now we're going to go. Unfortunately, into hell. And hell could often be seen as the world that is governed by Islam. Anything that you have, when you have a theocracy, a religious theocracy, particularly governed by Islam. I mean, earlier we gave you an idea of what a religious theocracy governed by Christianity would look like. If you really take it consistently to the full extent, you've got the pastor heckling the little kids at the mall, telling them there is no Santa and destroying their Christmas. If you look at the Islamic world, you get to see a world like that depicted in this New York Times article headline, For Women Under ISIS, a Tyranny of Dress Code and Punishment. They have some very unhappy women there in the photo that's featured. It says, by the time the jihadists had finished, not even a woman's eyes were legal. Showing them was a punishable offense. The dress code imposed on the women of Mosul started soon after the Islamic State overran the city more than two years ago. It was carried out gradually until every part of the female body was erased, starting with the face, then the rest of the body, including the hands, which had to be covered with gloves, as well as the feet, which had to be hidden by socks. It ended with an announcement blared over loudspeakers you say 1984, telling women to wear a film of black cloth over their eyes. I mean, not only blocking their eyes so that people can't see their eyes. I mean, their eyes might be attractive, heaven forbid. Just seeing their eyes might make the men want to rape them. And of course, the men can't control themselves. So, you know, you can't see a woman's eyes. Uh, But. Imagine also that you are keeping the women from perceiving, you know, the most basic of connection to reality. Talk about destroying the life of a rational being, keeping them from even perceiving, from achieving a clear perception of reality at the foundation of knowledge. Halima Ali Bader, 39, said she had resentfully made each new addition to her wardrobe, starting with the niqab to cover her face, and the abaya, also known as the jilbab, a loose-fitting gown. Yet she still ran afoul of the Islamic State's increasingly harsh enforcement of its codes when she stepped into the lane outside her home, planning to pop over to her neighbor's house. So I put on everything, niqab, abaya, the gloves, the socks. All I forgot to do is cover my eyes, she said one of a dozen women from recently liberated neighborhoods of the city who recounted their experiences in interviews at a refugee camp that was 45 miles from Mosul. Uh, she had taken only a few steps when the morality police spotted her. The officers began shouting at her, castigating her. They said, where is your husband? Does he accept that just anyone can see your face? And She says, I said, but I wasn't showing my face, only my eyes. Imagine, you walk out, you don't cover your eyes, and the morality police go after you. This is what hell looks like. Now, if you want to see the actual more physical and gruesome side of hell, you can see the attack on a Coptic cathedral in Cairo that has killed dozens. Article December 11th, New York Times, a bomb ripped through a section reserved for women. At Cairo's main Coptic Cathedral during Sunday morning mass, killing at least 25 people and wounding 49, mostly women and children, the Egyptian state media said. Attack was the deadliest against Egypt's Christian minority in years. Video from the blast site circulating on social media showed blood-smeared floors and shattered pews among the marble pillars at St. Mark's Coptic Orthodox Cathedral which is the seat of the Orthodox Christian Church. Now, why is this? The Muslims in Egypt are concerned that there is a government in place that is sympathetic to the Christians, and they're actually taking it out in terms of force. So that is definitely hell. We here in the United States have a company that is now going to be supporting the sort of hell that I've just depicted for you. Yeah, okay, that was in Iraq, and that was in Egypt. But in Iran, things like this also go on and can and will go on. And yet Iran and Boeing have just signed a $16.6 billion deal on the sale of 80 aircraft. They've signed a deal For the sale of 80 airplanes on Sunday Five weeks before the inauguration of Donald Trump Presumably, of course, we're still going to find out If this is going to happen They say whose Republican supporters in Congress Have tried to block any aircraft sales to Iran National airline Iran Air Said that it had signed an agreement with Boeing An American manufacturer to purchase the aircraft At a total cost of $16.6 billion Now, I don't know about you But the mere fact that our government has made common cause with Iran, you know, by signing this so-called nuclear deal. If I'm the head of Boeing, I still do not do business with them. Boeing does not have to do business with them, right? They can refuse to do business with a country, particularly if this is the national airline. And the Iranian government is still going to manage to fund terrorism and do all the horrible things against our people. It makes you want to boycott Boeing. It really does. It makes you want to boycott Boeing. So there's hell and there is a company in the United States signing a deal to prop up and support that hell. Freedom Breeze in the chat room says maybe the gold bars were more fashionable than the black claws covering the eyes. I mean, this, you know, one person was saying probably it's our own money that we have funneled over to them. You know, remember that all the money that was smuggled to the Iranian government that might be using, you know, being used to pay for this. So we're giving them 80 aircraft. Someone was actually saying on the Facebook post where I put this is this, you know, 80 Missiles disguised as aircraft, we know that Muslims have used aircraft as missiles, that they don't care whether their pilots die, you know, their hijackers or whoever it is. To me, this is a horrific thing. Uh, If Donald Trump is going to do some good, maybe he would reverse this deal, not allow this deal to take place, uh, not deliver these aircraft. Anyway, that's pretty much all I have to say on that, that it just gives you this little picture of hell in the Islamic world, and it gives you a picture of a company in our country that is actively supporting that hell. Jump over back to the blog at DontLetItGo.com. So now we've had our, our view of hell. Hope, what do I have to say about hope? The, the thing I have to say about hope right now is that I'm still working on the topic. I had planned a lunch with two intelligent gentlemen who wonderful things to say about hope. And I've already done a little kind of pre-discussion with them where uh, one in particular, James Valiant, whom you've heard from on this show was giving me a lot of philosophic food for thought, a little poetic food for thought in there as well. And uh, what I've got so far, if you remember, and I've got a link to the show in the chat room, so maybe it's worth going back. If you have not listened to my little, dissertation on hope from April. You can check it out. I've got the link. It's Prince Earth Day and Reconsidering Hope. And if you go back to that show, I believe that the section on hope starts at about 36 minutes, maybe a little bit after that, into the show where I'm talking about what my thinking was at that point on hope. And if you recall that show, I was looking at some of the examples of the use of the word hope in Atlas Shrugged. And All I can say right now is what James has been talking to me about is getting me to reconsider my interpretation of those examples. So let me whet your appetite with that. And then maybe on a future show, there's going to be a full-fledged discussion. I wanted to throw hope in the mix there because it has been on my brain and it happens to fill uh, kind of fit in with my alliterative title today. But as for now, because I don't have a whole lot of time left in the show, that's just a teaser. Okay, uh, so more on hope coming in the future. I've got a few items, just a little food for thought and some good news to leave you with today. One is an interview. Tom, John Stossel interviewed the tiger mom, Amy Chua. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. And he interviews her on her parenting techniques, her very sort of authoritarian techniques where, you know, she's essentially forcing her kids to practice piano or violin for hours a day. And, you know, so where the motivation for this practice is coming from them. And yet she believes this is the thing that is going to create true self-esteem in her children. She recounts in the interview, and I urge you to go watch it for yourself, but she recounts the example of her younger daughter, who was not as receptive to this pressure to practice daily. Her younger daughter was playing piano. And she says that there was this one moment after she's essentially forcing the practice on the daughter where everything started to flow for the daughter. And the daughter had the experience of this flow of, of sort of a, a newfound comfort and ease and mastery with playing piano. And once the daughter had that experience, which the parent essentially forced her into, the daughter did not want to leave the piano. She loved it. She had this tremendous pride in how she played, but it was the mother creating that in effect by putting this artificial pressure from the outside on the child. So there's that. And then I juxtapose it with an article whose headline is Self-Discipline Must Be Selfish. And there the article is looking more, I think, from the perspective of adults. So this is food for thought. Maybe this is something that we will revisit in a future show. But can you create discipline and enthusiasm and self-esteem and passion in a child as a parent from the outside putting pressure on the kid? Or does The discipline that is going to result in true mastery and true uh, true self-esteem, does it have to be selfish in the sense that you do it because you're motivated, you take up the piano, you take up the violin, and you devote the hours of practice because it's for you, not for someone else. Interesting perspective. I'm not a psychologist, so I couldn't tell you one way or the other. Amy Chua is convinced that her parents excuse me, that her daughters, that her daughters love her and they love what they do as a result of the way that she has raised them. And I'd be interested to hear perspectives on that on a future show. Let me see if I've got some perspectives in the chat room. Oh, People are talking about my, my topic of hope is hopeless. Not at all. We are going to have a rational view of hope. I'm going to come up with a rational view of hope soon. <laughs> Hopefully, says Old Toad in, in the chat room. But yeah, so check check those two out. And then finally, I've got just a couple of goodies there for you to check out as well. One of them is that all of Richard Feynman's physics lectures are now available free online. So that if you've always wanted to watch these historic lectures of Feynman, some people have purchased them. Some people have by hook or crook gotten copies of DVDs and things like that. Now they're available for free online, so you can complete the holes in your physics education if you've never gotten it. You can refresh if you're someone like me. I had a math applied science major in college, so perhaps Feynman can help me understand mechanics in a way that I haven't before because I did I did struggle with it a little bit, so that would be nice to see. So hat tip to Rob Wolf for sharing that link that's an amazing resource and and you know this gives you an idea so long as it really doesn't all go to hell immediately we are in an age where you have this wonderful information all these resources at your fingertips yes you have a lot of choice and so you have to be disciplined in what you're going to focus on but at the same time if you choose for example to take up a study of physics there are so many free resources available online quality resources like these lectures that you can check it out. And then finally, I teased Brian a little bit, but thanks to Brian Yoder for sharing this little Gizmodo article. There's a game that you can play called Lemmings and you can play it now on the MacBook Pros touch bar. Apparently the MacBook Pros touch bar, which I have not yet played with, I know you think I'm an Apple fan, but I have not. I think I haven't gone to play with the MacBook Pro Touch Bar because I'm really scared that I would have to buy it immediately. So here's Brian sending this out there. This Touch Bar is so sophisticated that you can play a video game on it. And the author, Andrew Lazuski over at Gizmodo, says that playing this game, Lemmings, on the Touch Bar almost justifies the upgrade. So just in and of itself, it's just such an amazing thing to play this little game on the touch bar. And they have have a little video clip there that you can watch this little game going on the amazing touch bar of the MacBook Pro. People, give me the downsides, right? Tell me why I don't want to upgrade to this laptop. Is there some reason there's some horrible toggle thing that I'm going to have to fight with or who knows people in the chat room over here are are back on the physics, that there's a physics holes in the education. I would love to refresh my physics. Ed says that Feynman is very good. He says that his wife took classes from him. That's great. Ed says, get the new MacBook pro. I like mine. You like it, Ed, or you love it. I want to hear that you love it. You know, it's so funny because when I put the little link out there, one person was saying, well, you know, this is such expensive technology and it's being used for a game, like as if this is scandalous or something. And maybe you have to be reminded that one of the uses of this wonderful technology is to be able to play games and have fun and just do stuff as an end in itself. That's gonna be one of the cool things about this not only thing. Oh, Ed says, I'm going to have to call back in again to discuss the MacBook Pro. I think I see you there. Let me go ahead and let me see if I can get you connected again. Is this Ed still? It is. Yes. Yeah. So tell me, so So do you love it or or what's your review?
1: I got the 15 inch uh, with the touch bar. I ordered it maybe 15 minutes after it went live on the website. (laughs) Of course you did. Pretty, pretty quickly. Well, now that I own my own business, it's all business expense, right? Government mm-hmm. pays half, so love that. Right. Um I, I like it a lot. I think uh, the screen is spectacular. It's much better than the old one. The uh, battery life is superb. I spent an entire day in the office just working on battery, and it didn't die on me. Um, wow. Everything, it's it's really nice. Uh, it's much thinner than my wife's. She had the previous uh, 15-inch MacBook Pro and lighter. Um, it's, it's more heavy than the MacBook Air that I used to use for work. Um, the touch bar is good, but, you know, you, you kind of got to get used to it and customize it the way you want. The only thing that's different and that you really should go to the Apple Store and check out, and I happen to find no problem with this, but it's okay. uh, this low-transit low, low transit keyboard, you know, the low... Uh, the, oh, the keys right. I
0: heard about far. this. I heard about this. So what, what is so, a low-transit you know, keyboard? What is it?
1: Well, I mean, when I push the button on my old MacBook Pro, it goes down maybe, I don't know, an eighth of an inch or or three-eighths. No, what's between an eighth? Three-sixteenths of an inch. Um, When I press the key on the new keyboard, it maybe goes down one-sixteenth or even less. So it's a very, very low um, movement keyboard. Um, And that threw me off at first. I don't think it's... I don't think it's bad. In fact, I wrote a whole paper on it on the plane the other day, um, and I had no trouble at all with it. But it is different, and it it it's something you really have to see and play with at the store
0: um, right.
1: if you're going to invest this kind of money in it. So I mean, so I, so I, as I it is, it. there's um, kind
0: of an adjustment, right? People had to make this adjustment from a typewriter even an electric typewriter, right? You know, first we had the adjustment from the manual typewriter to the electric typewriter. Then you have the electric typewriter to a computer keyboard. And now you're saying yeah. this is a similar sort of adjustment that people are going to have to make to this new style of keyboard.
1: Well, I don't think it's that bad. But believe me, uh, if you are used to the old MVP or the or the Apple, um, you know, the Apple keyboard for uh, IMAX or whatnot, you will, it, it will shock you. So please go into the store just bring up some sort of text editor and start typing, and just do that for 15 minutes. Because uh, I think if you do it for five minutes, you're gonna be like, "Oh my God, I can't buy this." But if you do it like for 15 minutes, then you're oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, now I can live with it. This is fine. This is just different. Um, so, you, so, so you're would, basically you you
0: are giving me the assignment, Ed, that I should go to the Apple Store and spend 15 minutes playing with new awesome technology. Is that what you're telling me I have to do?
1: Yeah. That, Yes, that's the assignment. Yes, you must do that. <laughs> Correct.
0: That's okay, so now I have permission. Since
1: it's since it's a business expense, uh, you know, I turned everything up to eleven, right? But like I yeah. I brought I bought my brother in law a computer for Christmas, spent like three hundred dollars or three hundred and fifty dollars, whatever. Um, for a laptop and then of course I spent ten X on this for myself. So you can see <laughs> it's a very selfish Christmas this year for me. Um, I love it. But yeah, I love so, it. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So um, do, do, you know, be sure. But I like it. You know. Okay. Like it very
0: much. Well, thanks, Ed, for coming back on and, and uh, indulging us. And, yes, let's talk again next week when we get to see what the outcome is going to be in terms of the news media coverage of the hacking after the whole electoral college thing is done. I'll be interested to see if you're right. Yeah. See yeah. ya. Okay. Well, thank you, Ed. And um, I'm going to go ahead and let you go. I'm going to go ahead and end the show here. Obviously, it's past our usual time, but since I had to restart the show, then we're a little bit over. I'm going to play you a song as we're exiting here. It's a favorite of Jezebel's, and it's called Deep Wide Ocean. It should be playing, but I'm not hearing it. Here we go. Are we going to hear it? Hmm. I wonder why I'm not getting it. Okay, it seems not to be playing. Please cooperate. Oh, this is a day full of technical glitches. Let's. I'm going to try one more time. And let's see. Go to Artists. Little iTunes here for you. Mm -hmm. This is from the album Prisoner, by the way. Deep White Ocean. Is it going to play? It is not cooperating at all, people. There we go. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. No, I'm sorry, people. I cannot even play you a song. So I'm going to have to just refer you over to DontLetItGo.com, and I do apologize for all of our technical glitches today. I'm going to make sure that we don't have a repeat of those this coming week. And I'll see you on Wednesday. So it's Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific time. Again, thanks for your patience with the technicalities, and I'll see you then.